Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. It's 2.52 a.m. at the Renaissance Pleasure Fair in Irwindale, California, and you're listening to Night Call. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Night Call a podcast for your medieval days and renaissance nights. I'm Molly Lambert, and here in Los Angeles with me is... Tess Lynch, and over in New York City we have... Emily Yoshida. And please give us a call at one 246 night or shoot us an email at nightcallpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> Check out our socials on Instagram and Twitter at nightcallpod, no cast. I'm hey, trying everybody. to do a better job with our socials. Me too. Trying to trying to keep them hot. Without, Stepping up the socials. Yeah. Without mm-hmm. giving away which ones we run, we're all trying right. to. There's also a Facebook, by the way, not that I run it, but if I did, then you would be able mm-hmm. to find it at Facebook forward slash nightcallpodcast. It's there. <laughs> but also, you know, leave Facebook. That's fine with us. That's true. It is fine. I can't leave Facebook, not that I'm running a social media page for a podcast, but I, I, for other reasons, can't. Guys. I wouldn't want you to hypothetically be stuck on Facebook so that you could hypothetically run the socials for Night Call. Right? What a miserable situation. Guys, speaking (laughs) of being trapped in previous eras. Yeah, tell us. I went to the Renaissance Fair again. How many times have you been? This was my second time. I went for the oh, first... Oh, it's only your second time? Yeah, I went for the first time last year. Uh, oh. Kind of for my other podcast, North Mollywood, because a um, friend of our podcast, Jane Marie, 
is a big Ren Faire person, and I hate medieval stuff, and she had convinced me that the Ren Faire would be my point of entry into understanding why people like medieval stuff. And she was right. Let me guess what she said. She was like, there's goats. And you were like, okay. No, I saw a bunch of pictures of you with goats. And I was no. like, that's the draw. I didn't know there were goats the first time. And I was so delighted and surprised that there's a petting zoo, a very awesome petting zoo. Um, I think it was more like there's fried food and you can like stare at people. And I was like, in. It's so hard to find that combination in America, <laughs> fried food and staring at people. Well, you know, Emily, Molly, I, you would love the Folsom Street Fair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've always wanted to go to the Folsom Street Fair. Um, I like things like that. As uh, as you all know, Emily and I went to Times Square a couple weeks ago and I was <laughs> just walking around just was so goofy and happy. Uh, I feel like the Ren Fair this year was so star-studded. I knew, I knew so many people who were posting about it on their Instagram. Like I saw that Andrew, you were there with Andrew T yeah, and Kara Brown, right? Yeah, I was there in a group right? with Kara Brown and Andrew T. And Reluctantly. I, well, <laughs> I love the, um, well, I mean, it, I didn't love it, but it like occurred to me. I haven't been to one of these forever, not since I was a kid, but Andrew was like, if one person tells me like, oh, a visitor from the East. You know, he said that, but then... Uh, <laughs> You know, part of my argument for why the uh, the California Ren Fair is cool is it's way more diverse than sure. you might expect from a Ren Fair. You know, it's yeah. kind of just like a California thing. So there's like people dressed up in Ren Fair stuff, but then there's also just people wearing like flip flops and T-shirts and it's like pretty casual. What did you wear? So Andrew kind of he said, you know, like uh, at the end of the day, like he had, he said there were like way more Asian Americans there than he expected. Did he have fun? Sure. Uh, but he... He did not have fun. <laughs> what did you wear? Did you dress up? He was up? not feeling it. Molly? Um, uh, I wore... No, I mean, I, you know, I wore like a regular outfit. I was kind of cold, actually, which was great, because the first time I went, it was 110 degrees, and that oh, wow. was like a little hellish. Yeah. So this was like delightfully more English feeling, because it was <laughs> cold. Well, I mean, as much as I'm like, oh, God, you know, I, I cringe at the thought of Ren Fairs because my mom would 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 take them take me to them when I was a kid. Wait, did you put on like a little Elizabethan outfit? I don't even remember what like I wore. Rough. I was mostly mortified to be there. But now thinking about like thinking back on it or imagining going, going to another one, it kind of bums me out to imagine a Ren Fair where like people are wearing flip flops. Like no, I, if you're cool. going to do a bit, commit to it. No, they're like, playing like it's very just SoCal. There's like a K-Rock booth at the front that was playing pop punk as you enter. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of like Raiders he old gear. And Blink-182. Yeah, you old <laughs> Blink-182. And just like it's it's always been anachronistic. And it's actually it's the first Renaissance Fair ever is this one. Really? What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it was a bunch of like medieval academics who would have dinners in LA and do like cosplay and be like, let's have a knights and ladies dinner. And then they were like, wouldn't it be fun if everyone could join? And they started throwing it and they invented like the template of the Ren Fair, which also Andrew was like, oh, it's just like a carnival that's like medieval themed. Right. Is it? Yeah. yeah. You can buy crafts and stuff. Yeah. It's like, like you can watch somebody like yeah. do blacksmithery. Yeah. There yeah. are rides. Is and there jousting? There's jousting. Yeah. Okay. There's rides and the rides are really low tech, which is kind of cool. Um, we were there with Jane's kid, who's really cool. And she was just like super stoked for these rides that are like they put you on like a dragon Viking boat and just kind of push you back and forth, you know? <laughs> but like for little kids, they're like, this is amazing. Right. And there's one really anachronistic great ride that's just a giant wading pool full of those bubbles you can go inside 
Wait, excuse me? Like a hamster ball to Yeah, like a hamster ball for kids that like maybe only kids can fit in. And there's just like a giant wading pool full of them with kids just like bubble ball. That sounds so dangerous. (laughs) You know, it was it's actually based on a medieval sport. The uh, (laughs) hamster bubble ball where the fittest children survived and they were they moved on to the next round. I like everyone's enthusiasm for it. I mean, it was it was really fun to go. You know, I'm just like enchanted by everything. And Andrew and Kara were definitely way more skeptical. Kara was kind of like, you know, like, I don't really want to live in any other time. I don't really. Oh, maybe, maybe the that's future my only. feeling about everything. Well, then now, I was trying. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, well, what would your like, what is your ideal fare? You know, like what what would be a theme you would be into? And we were kind of talking about that. I feel like we'd never really reached a, a conclusion of your era mm. or just like what you know besides because i was like there should be more fairs like not just renaissance you go to an egypt fair <laughs> well that's what i said i yeah. was like really i'd like ancient egypt land that's the west world is that i would most enjoy and i think part of it is also like you go into the past to be like thank god i don't live in the past spring into better sleep with lisa mattresses and use our discount code 125 dollars off at lisa.com forward slash night call the deepest discount we've ever offered on a lisa mattress i got my lisa recently and i love it it is very squishy and i've honestly never slept better and i would recommend them to everybody for every 10 sold lisa donates one mattress and plants one tree for every order received so far they've donated twenty three thousand mattresses so every time you get a mattress somebody else gets a mattress it's wonderful they have eleven thousand five star reviews and is loved by 300,000 happy sleepers and counting. Socially conscious with a mission to end bedlessness in America, Lisa Mattress was designed to provide support and pressure relief to every body type and every type of sleeper for a deeper night's sleep. So go ahead and order your Lisa Mattress and get $125 off at lisa.com forward slash night call the deepest discount we've ever offered and the deepest sleep you will ever have. I mean, the fairs I like, honestly, now thinking back on it is like a, a good state fair. I love. Um, I've never been to the just, state fair. Really? A yeah. fair themed fair. I used to great. go to the Goshen Fair in, go- I think Goshen, I don't know if it's even New York or Connecticut because it's where everything meets, that part of New England where you're like, where am I? Um, just but there was a New lot England. Of, in New England, Goshen Fair, and it was a lot of like, drink the milk from the cow and like, guess how much the pig weighs. Oh yeah, I'd probably enjoy that even more. It was super fun. great. Yeah. I mean, when I we got to the Renaissance Fair, somebody was holding like a cut off pig's head and we were all a little bit like, mm, I don't know about <laughs> that. No, I don't really thanks. want that, yeah. that this. Um, well, see, I grew up in Iowa where like the state fair in Iowa was it, like the musical state fair is based on that state fair. Like oh, it was like the, the mother ultimate. of all state fairs for a long time. I would love to go to the Iowa state fair. Is that like where they make sculptures out of butter and stuff yeah, like it that? It is. That is the home of the butter cow um, <laughs> and many other butter things. Uh, and I mean, all of the, I just loved, after I kind of got a little too old to just go for rides, I would just love going to all the craft halls and seeing everybody's like incredible quilts and stuff. Like, like I got oh, really into quilts. quilts every time yeah. I would go to the fairs because I was like, look at 
how much time people spent on this. And it's like, it's like so heartwarming to see like all these moms across our little state, like, you know, went and baked all these fancy pies or made a fancy quilt or something. It's very, it's very sweet. I like that. Well, it's also like a little feminist because it's like, look at all these art forms that never get valued, like folk art and baking, home baking. Hard to make a quilt. come up on stage and like get a ribbon or a trophy or whatever for like baking and for like sewing and stuff like that. Let's make a night quilt. We should make a (laughs) night called night quilt. The pie eating contest, we had um, at our high school, there was like some, some like, throwback county fair type events at uh oh it just makes me think of stand by me oh yeah that too no pie eating contest will not make me think of all the throwing up part well that's what a real a real (laughs) in reenaction of that happened at our uh high school pie eating contest well i'm not gonna make you but i'll we'll just say it was exactly the same (laughs) oh it sounds horrible i was like that's a state fair and fair in general thing i will never be able to enjoy again I mean, the Ren Fair is fun. You guys should go. Uh, I drink a breakfast beer, which I don't think I've ever done in my What's life. What's a breakfast beer? What is that? This one, I don't know. That's what someone kept calling it. Are you sure it wasn't just because you were drinking a beer in the morning? Yeah, I was just drinking a beer at 11 in the morning. It wasn't like a coffee-flavored stout. No. Andrew ordered a Guinness, and he was like, I'd like to try one of these Irish beers. I've been in the colonies. <laughs> Fetch me one of those. Also, the mm-hmm. people working the beer booth are so drunk. Yeah, I'm sure. You'd have uh, to be. It's a little, you know, I, I mean, it ends at seven, too. I could see where it would get a little sloppy after hours, but it's fine. It's fun for a little bit. Is it going on? So by the time you hear this podcast, it will be over. No, I think it presumably. goes it goes into the month. I think it oh, goes yeah? through May. Everybody check oh, wow. it out. Nice. Um, it's a big, a big fun thing to do for a little bit. Shout out to Irwindale. <laughs> big fun thing to do for a little. Well, also like the the place where it is is like this big fake lake that is really cool. Um, that just kind of reminds me of Zodiac. Reminds me of the the beach oh, yeah. that they go to. In a Zodiac. treeless lake. Yeah, it's like one of those weird California. Like we got to put something in this place it's a ditch for with people some to water do. In it. Yeah, yeah, it's like a giant track of the park. Seems like a yeah. pretty cool place to go. Not at the Ren Fair. Well, speaking of uh, yeah, speaking. Zodiac, and then. Going off that. Yeah, good transition. <laughs> Anytime. Speaking Perfect. of things that span California yeah. and are spooky. Well, you're not going to say it. You want no, me I'm to say it? No, I'm going to you say it. Oh, yeah. okay. So they found, they found who they think is the Golden State Killer, which is now old news, maybe. But Joseph James D'Angelo, who is 72, I think, was apprehended in Sacramento after he was tracked down using a genealogy website. They found his um, yeah. extended family members who had joined the site, and then they were able to find this guy. And uh, it was interesting because it raised a lot of privacy concerns. Obviously, totally. so the, the website that they used was GED Match, which is open source and doesn't have the same privacy restrictions as um, Ancestry.com and 23andMe. So there, mm-hmm. the police may have been more limited if they had used one of those sites. Uh, we don't know if they tried to use those sites and then ended up using GED Match because there were less um, safeguards in place. But what's interesting, like my first thought, and I really want to hear what you guys have to say about this. I was like, well, how could that really be used to like, I mean, they caught a serial <clears throat> rapist and serial killer, so... In a way, like privacy seems like an afterthought, but then yes, I started but. spinning out about the different ways that that could go wrong. What do you guys think? 
Well, I would love you to tell everyone what you told me before we started recording, which is that you were watching The Handmaiden's Tale. Yeah. Handmaids. I keep saying that. I hand. always say Handmaids. Because <laughs> yeah. it makes me think about The Handmaiden, which is also really good. Yeah. Better. <laughs> also, you're in that Ren Faire zone, so you're like, let's I'm just make it a maiden. Yeah. I was telling Molly that, so I'm watching season two of The Handmaid's Tale, which is really good, but also just so scary. Uh, I just feel me. like I can't submit myself to it. It's like too much. It's, well, it, in yeah. the future, you'll be forced to. Exactly. Right. It's about. Right. <laughs> I you'll mean, be forced the, yeah. to have a Hulu subscription. <laughs> it really shows kind of if you're unhappy with the politics in this country, which I think uh, I am at least, but uh, watching the Why? What's season, wrong? Why? What could be wrong? <laughs> what could be wrong, Kanye? Um, I just made Tess listen to the new Kanye songs and I took little videos of her reactions. Yeah, she did. Um, one of them, she just started face palming really hard at a certain point. <laughs> it's just hard. I mean, I love Kanye, but it's I can't continue our relationship anymore at this point. I have to take a breather. It's just too much. And I love T.I., yeah. so at least that was like a nice <laughs> foothold there. But I I found the first season of Handmaid's Tale to be much easier to watch because I think at that point, I still had a lot of optimism that um, by this point in time, we would not still be here, but we are. So the second season is kind of intense, but I was watching it and then was reading on, I think, TechCrunch a couple days ago. They posted um, a thing about the Golden State Killer and the privacy concerns. And I was like, well, how could this be really catastrophic? And it takes a lot of mental gymnastics. It's not doesn't seem at all plausible. But if you wanted to freak yourself out, you could think about if abortion were made illegal and if um, the idiot that got fired from the Atlantic for saying that women who'd had abortions should be hanged and, you know, Mike Pence got together in a little room and decided that that was going to become law, then, of course, um, if you'd had an abortion for any reason you could theoretically be tracked down via your family members who were registered on an ancestry site and hanged. (laughs) So I'm just saying worst case scenario, that could be a way that privacy concerns would be valid. But I was like, I guess you also have to start thinking very carefully about how this could be used against certain groups of people, like about, you know. I've been very skeptical of 23andMe because like, somebody that I follow on Twitter was talking about like, oh, yeah, it totally could be used for eugenics. That's basically like it's a record of people's ethnicities, you know. It feels like if there's an analogy where like Facebook was laying down the infrastructure for, you know, the last uh, presidential election or something that I kind of I can imagine a scenario in which 23andMe and all these other sites are laying down the infrastructure for something that I don't even want to think about. Yeah, I mean, I uh, obviously this is not like new that tech and uh, eugenics are connected because IBM did all the punch cards Mm -hmm. for the death camps and the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to think about IBM as a company that has this like super dark history that just any company that like does something really fucked up and then is like, let's not think about it. Uh, Because obviously a lot of companies that involve Nazis keeps coming up on night call. Yeah. Like every time I'm at a shoe store now, I'm like a little bit like side eyeing myself for wanting Adidas. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't buy Adidas anymore. Maybe I don't want that. There are lots of other shoe brands. I mean, also at the, yeah. Sosnies. (laughs) At the Ren Fair, I was like, you know, now seems like not the time to get into Celtic jewelry. Right. You know? Uh, Yeah. Like definitely something I like have liked in the past or been like, oh, it's, you know, fine. But I'm like, nope, I don't want Celtic jewelry, but you're a snob about medieval stuff. Um, Yes. I'm Irish American. (laughs) Obviously, I don't trust those Brits. Nope. 
I went to the Irish fair, which was an Irish themed Renaissance (laughs) fair at Lake Balboa. So while I've never been to the Renaissance fair, I totally went to a Renaissance fair that just had like 50% more pan flute, I want to say. Were you like you're more into like druids and stuff? Yeah, of course. I mean, druids. Yeah, knights and lords and ladies. No, I don't care about, I'm not into royalism. I'm into like, you know, paganism. Oh, you guys, I'm so sorry. Can you hold on? Is it okay if I go for five minutes? I'm Yeah, sure. Go go ahead. Sorry. Sure. Yeah. No, no, it's it's totally cool. One sec. Hey, is she gone? I think she's gone. Um, You know, Mother's Day is coming up. And uh, what are you getting for Tess? Oh, I was thinking we should get her a hundred colorful blooms with a free glass vase. (laughs) from pro flowers i love the way you say vase i'm i'm right there with you um pro flowers is an amazing place to get fly have you ever ordered ordered from there before no i'm excited it's gonna be mother's name it'll be my first order it's so easy it's so easy and it'll it'll like be great just because you know we, we want to make sure the test doesn't find out um you know we don't have to actually like drive to the florist or anything like that <laughs> i hope she doesn't hear this podcast before mother's Day. <laughs> me too <laughs> So like Molly said, right now our listeners can send 100 colorful blooms with a free glass vase or vase, either one, at just $19.99 plus shipping and handling with the promo code NIGHTCALL. And uh, ProFlowers has everything you need to get your Mother's Day shopping done. It is the easiest way to tell your mom how much you care about her or yeah, tell Tess how much you care about her. Send, send flowers to Tess. And this is the last week that you can get the special discount code. So be sure to do it just in time for Mother's Day. And you will definitely be able to get your flower gift delivered on Mother's Day. If you would like, you can choose the delivery date. There's guaranteed delivery and unique vases and accessories that mom will love. Pro Flowers has everything all in one place to get your Mother's Day shopping done for all the moms you know. Just don't be a bum and be one of those people where Monday comes around and you're like, oh man, I forgot Mother's Day because you don't want to be that person. That's some 20 something shit. Like get your shit together. It doesn't just have to be for your own mom. You can, any mom in your life deserve to be appreciated. So Mother's Day is this Sunday. Don't forget to show mom how much she means to you, whatever mom means to you. So go to proflowers.com. Click on the blue microphone in the upper right corner and use the code NIGHTCALL for a hundred colorful blooms and a free glass vase. That's proflowers.com, code NIGHTCALL. Yeah, a hundred colorful blooms with a free glass vase for just $19.99, plus shipping and handling. And again, it's proflowers.com, code NIGHTCALL. Let's go get some flowers for Tess. Okay, I think she's coming back. I would go to a Wicker Man fest. That would be, I mean, I guess that's Burning, <laughs> that's burning Man. Man. No, that's Burning Man. <laughs> you know what, though? I would totally go to Burning Man if it weren't in the desert. The fact that it's in. I've you always, love the desert. What are no, you talking not about? That kind of, I've always said, like, I would like to go to, like, Wet Man. Yes, yeah. Drowning Man. man. <laughs> Drowning Man. I feel like Ben is into that. But yeah. uh, this is an inside joke from a different podcast. That's that's weird. <laughs> um I, I, I feel like, so, so there's, um, there's a film critic, um, David Ehrlich, who I'm friends with, and he recently did a, um, I want to say it was 35 hour long marathon of all of the Marvel movies, like leading up to Avengers Infinity War that they had here at the AMC at, um, in Times Square. And he hates, he hates the, uh, Avengers movies and he did it 
like basically to, he did it like the way that people do runs, like um, where you can like raise money for a cause. So um, like the more people donated, the more he would like double down on it, like wear an Avengers t-shirt or something to it. Just, and he was raising money for every town, the like gun, anti-gun nice. violence yeah. journey. Um, and I, I, I haven't actually checked in with him. I don't know how, if he survived. Uh, or actually, I think he survived. I think I have evidence of him surviving, but I'm, I think that we should do that. But for Burning Man, like see how long we can get Molly to stay in the desert. Um, and every every day, every successive day, more money from... You might lose me forever. Yeah, what did she ever do to you, Emily? <laughs> <laughs> Molly, well, maybe I'm bad, just saying I want to go. Yeah. Well, here's what I was thinking, too, is like where Emily and I, and probably not Tess, would really like to go is Electric Daisy Carnival in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Because it's like it. a Ren fair that's ED... It's an EDM fair. Well, now, now I mean, since our last podcast, I feel like... I feel like we almost can't revisit the well anymore. I almost feel like it would feel like I was just chasing a dragon indefinitely, but I don't know. Well, you know where you can chase some dragons. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, one of the big new things at the Ren Fair was everybody had what I first thought were animatronic dragons on their shoulders. Yeah, but they aren't? No, it turns out they were puppets, really good puppets that were designed designed by this guy who designed Admiral Akbar. Uh, Dobby the house elf and some of the labyrinth creatures and they were like totally looked like that like all of those things oh, cool. and they were like little shoulder dragon puppets and all these but who's operating them you, if they're puppets yeah how do you control it you have like a little um, squeeze thing oh. that you use and these people had it cleverly hidden inside their costume so I thought it was an animatronic that just like moved its head back and forth but it was actually That's a puppet awesome. that you could control and my friend's kid got one and she was so stoked she named it Go-Go the Goblin. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. I think just other people's enthusiasm for stuff always makes me excited. I'm like, they're having such a good time. But also Andrew was like, they're so desperate for like attention. Everybody's just like, please, sir. Poor Andrew. Um, sounds like Andrew. I, I, I know we festival. got like way off talk- topic and went back to talking about the Ren Fair again. But I actually have some questions about the Golden State Killer oh, yeah. because I don't really, I didn't really know about the Golden State well, Killer before did until the Michelle, Michelle McNamara's yeah. book came out, and uh, they're saying that that's not why they caught him. But it obviously seems like it drummed up it a lot seems, of interest in the case. Yeah. It's, it's really awful how they haven't. I mean, she got so little credit from law enforcement, which is curious because I mean, this she she put so much work into it. I I ordered the book, but I haven't read it yet. Everyone I know who's read it says it's incredible. Um, obviously, this was finished posthumously. I think she co-wrote it with a yeah. journalist. I watched the forty-eight hour special. Uh, which was really good. And yeah, I mean, it is crazy. Uh, I learned a lot about, he was like a rapist in the Bay Area. He did, it, it was Sacramento, and then he went north and south, Yeah, right? He ended up in Southern California, and then he murdered a bunch of people in Southern California, which is why he's called Original Night Stalker, is mm-hmm. one of his names. Oh, because uh, he predates the Night Stalker. Yeah, correct. Wow. I think his first crime was maybe in 1978. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so... Huh. And then it, he, they, when they were initially profiling him, they said that he would not stop, that they thought he would not stop committing crimes until he was dead or in prison. So at a certain point, they hypothesized that he had been jailed for something else. Um, but apparently not. Didn't it maybe match up, though? He, like, took a job or had kids or something? Well, he was a former police officer. He was um, either in the Navy or in the Marines or something, and then he was a police officer, and he was fired from the force because he stole 
a can of dog repellent and something else, maybe a hammer. Um, I, I did a lot of reading on it, but it all just like kind of washed over me because I was aware at some point I was like, I'm just going to look into all the like horrible California crimes. And obviously um, he was very prolific and he, you know, he tortured his victims. He, he was really sadistic um, and he, you know, targeted couples and uh, and women. And he was kind of striking. I think at one point he was he had one victim a month. So for Sacramento, you know, everybody was kind of like as soon as it was dark, everybody would get really freaked out. If women were home alone, they'd be particularly <clears throat> freaked out. And it was um, after the Zodiac, right? So it's like... Yeah. That's what I'm not sure about. Well, if you said it started in the yeah. 70s. I think it started in 78. Yeah. Zodiac start was in the late 60s. But just, it does feel like, it's like the Manson murders. Was it murders a copycat, where like, do you think? Everybody, like, I don't know, because... Or like at least inspired by, maybe not a direct copycat, but like... That's I mean, a good it, question. It, like, it's like, how are there so many serial killers that are in Northern California? It just feels Northern like... Northern and Southern. And, yeah. and there's that feel... Like, the thing about the Manson murders that everybody talks about is, like, after the Manson murders, everybody was just, like, so paranoid and freaked out for, like, years afterwards because it's, yeah. like, even if nothing happens, everybody's, like, close all... You know, lock all your doors at night and, like, if you're alone in an yeah. area, right. you know. So I just looked it up, by the way. And so his it, it was from 76 to 86. And he killed 12 people and raped at least 45 and burglarized yeah. more than 120 Christ. homes. I mean, it's so terrible. Yeah. So he's known Ugh. as the East Area Rapist, the Diamond Knot Killer, and the original Night Stalker, mm-hmm. which is why some people refer to him as Eurons, which is like East Area Rapist slash original Night Stalker. Right. Those are like the message boards on the Reddit message or Eurons. But, you know, I saw some people online being like, oh, it's, we shouldn't give these serial killers like nicknames. It glamorizes them too much. But then I heard somebody else tell me that apparently giving them nicknames helps people get caught because hmm. well, it like think, sticks yeah. in people's minds if there's a nickname. And right. there's something about that, like when you give a, ser- you know, give a, it just gives it like a narrative that well, people can understand. The Grim Sleeper was um, one of the ones that I got really interested in. And the LA Weekly, the when the LA Weekly was the LA Weekly before it was the Vichy mm-hmm. LA Weekly. Um, they did a lot of amazing coverage about the Grim Sleeper who was... I remember that one. Yeah. yeah one of the reasons yeah. all weeklies are so important and why what happened to the LA Weekly sucks so bad um, is that all weeklies report on local stories that exactly. national papers would never report on. And especially like things like the Grim Sleeper who was targeting a lot of sex workers, people that didn't have, you know families to advocate for them or also in areas of LA where there wasn't a huge police presence and it was really hard to you know for families to advocate for you know deeper investigations there is a police presence and they just don't give a fuck well that's true yeah uh and obviously the fact that the Golden State Killer was a cop you know ties into a lot of other things happening now of like hey maybe we can all admit that like a lot of sociopathic people become cops because they want to kill a lot of people police force yeah Want a weekly news podcast that keeps you informed but doesn't take itself too seriously? Subscribe to Fake the Nation, an earwolf podcast hosted by comedian Najin Farsad. Every Thursday, Najin invites her favorite comedians, writers, and policy buffs to dish on the news of the week. You'll learn about the ever-evolving chaos in the White House, the Russia investigation, and hard-to-understand topics, like what is going on in Syria? Recent guests include... Baron Tunde Thurston, John Fugelsang, Judy Gold, and John Lovett from Pod Save America. So, find Fake the Nation on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. New episodes drop every Thursday, just in time for your commute home. This is a crazy 
it just it did feel like this week was sort of like uh, like a couple of glimmers of hope, you know, of like yeah. this guy maybe getting caught. And then also the Bill Cosby verdict came out. And yeah. I think everyone well, I was surprised. I was I so I know. Yeah, I'm so jaded about things yeah. like this, and especially about sexual assault. That you're I just wonder like, if he'll spend any time in jail, you know, the fact that it happened at all. I'm still just like, yeah. wow, you know, maybe maybe things can change and maybe all the people that are like nothing will ever change because it's in their interest to feel that nothing will ever change you know that just like i mean it is kind of incredible that between the first trial and the second trial that there was just such a huge cultural change and me too happened and then to see yeah you know the victims crying in the courtroom after the verdict had been read was pretty well that was yeah i mean that new york magazine cover was really big obviously because of just that image of like oh here's how many people are being just completely discounted because a famous guy doesn't want to get in trouble for being a sociopath it's so weird that now we think about everything about like pre and post me too i guess that's like you know the power of a of a hashtag or a name for some or a name of a movement yeah something like that but like the it was so there was such a run-up to like till we knew how to like organize and talk about a problem like that before harvey weinstein and that was a huge part of it yeah i think acknowledging it was part of the part of the issue because i feel like a lot of people were in denial you know definitely Mm -hmm. i did not know how bad like things were oh my god i know (laughs) you know Also, I think, I mean, hopefully the next step for this is for states to reconsider the statute of limitations for rapes. I know that I think California is reconsidering that, but um, obviously with Weinstein and Cosby, that was an issue that kind of made it more difficult to prosecute. Obviously, Andrea Constant was the only person who could bring anything against Cosby, and yet there were so many women who, you know, had gone through this. Who all had identical stories. Exactly, exactly. I mean, not like totally identical, but some of the details of like his method of operating were were so similar from story to story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is like a thing you see across all these guys, especially powerful guys who like are in a position where they can just have a protocol and just operate it over and over and over also, again. Also, a lot of them uh, seem to not be able to stop talking about it afterwards. Right. Like what I kept saying about all these like uh, guys coming back after time's up, you know, they're like, they don't even understand that you should hide out for a few years so you can construct a believable redemption narrative. They're just like, okay, six months have gone by. Everyone's forgotten all the bad shit I did. Here I am again. Well, so wait, you were tweeting about this. Who do we, so Louis C.K., there was an article. There were like a bunch of comeback articles. There's one about Louis C.K. There's one about Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose. And there's one about. Charlie Rose is going to host a show apparently where he's going to talk to men men who've been victimized by the Time's Up movement. And James Franco had like a fluff piece like he's turning 40 and like he's really you know he's not going out much these days. He's 40. Oh no. Yeah. That's so sad. Oh gee right. (laughs) Oh poor him. I mean the the the, the, like Hollywood Reporter has been doing a lot of irresponsible shit lately and that they did the one on on um, Louis C.K. Uh, like talking about you. It wasn't even like a reported piece. I don't think it was just like it was just like what would it take? Come back like through comedy just, clubs, and I got really pissed off about that because I got in an argument with my friend about it. Where I was like, he doesn't have to. We don't have to let that happen. Yeah, apparently also, like, he's been. I've heard from people he's just been at Comedy Cellar like every night, just watching, but not going up. And it feels like yeah, like, people why? I know in New York say they've seen him like lurking around bookstores and movie theaters and just yeah. sort of like testing the waters of like being out in New York. Do I seeing- not get boo? out of the like right. bookstore or whatever but I it's mean, like yeah. most people like I wouldn't I wouldn't 
like boo Louis C.K. out of a bookstore, I'd just be like, go home. You know, like, (laughs) I don't think any of us are saying that if you do things, even if they're criminal, even if, you know, you cross lines and you've proven yourself to be a horrible person, I don't think any of us is saying like that you should just disappear necessarily. But I do think that there's that the the amount of time in exile, so to speak, is so short. I mean, the Louis C.K. allegations had been going on for so long. He had been kind of avoiding talking about them, not totally denying, but just saying, well, that's gossip. Those oh, are no, rumors. He denied it. I feel like, I don't know if he actually, there was a weird, that weird thing. And I think Gawker, yeah, where he, he was kind of like, yeah. what do you his know? Power to be yeah. like, well, he knew he was doing it. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and all the women he did it to knew he was doing it, obviously. But it sounded as though he kind of tried his best to not outwardly deny, but at the same time to kind of gaslight the women. It was all part of some like sociopathic like kink where it was like he clearly got off on like almost getting caught all the time, which is I think what happens for a lot of these dudes. It's like they like getting away with it, but also like if nobody notices they're getting away with it, they're like, oh, I should make it like more and more flagrant each time. I mean, I think in an ideal world, what you would want is for someone to step aside long enough to let other people, maybe even women, rise and to help women, you know, to help women without being this kind of, That's how I feel also about like the John Crickfalusi story that Mm -hmm. came out, which was such a bummer. That one was so heartbreaking. Well, it was the John Crickfalusi who's a pedophile. Well, we didn't talk about that on the pod, so in case... Yeah, he's uh, the Ren and Stimpy guy, and there were just all these stories about he dated teenagers, and the teenagers... Just like openly, too. Like, like they worked for him, like in the studio. Like, they were interns or something, but they were also his girlfriends, which is just like... That's why a lot. He wasn't even trying to hide it. Just saying. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was it was horrible, and it was another one of the stories you were like, oh, and also like a lot of people knew and were like unknowingly complicit or knowingly complicit because they were just like, well, that's the boss, like. Well, including Can't the sources for it. the story, for the BuzzFeed story. They yeah. were like, well, I guess this was going on all along. I guess now I see well, this in a new of, light. Some of them, like, I think, kind of either stepped away from him or tried to distance themselves because they felt so uncomfortable. But yeah, nobody nobody really stepped up. Though. And I think a lot of people took responsibility for not stepping up and saying, like, at some at some point well, I should have. And even the girls felt you know. bad about it because they were like, I idolized him. And then he like yeah. took advantage of me. But like you know they were ugh it's so fucked it was so bad the buzzfeed story was we all read it around the same time we had been thinking about i think talking about it on the podcast for a while it came out march 29th and it just, was called the disturbing secret behind an iconic cartoon and just but, all these stories i mean all these dudes i guess what ultimately it comes down to is like the lengths people are willing to go to like protect some guy that they think is talented versus like all the women that they do fucked up shit to if right. as long as those women are like not famous yeah and that's been a criticism of the me too movement is like well you you know, if these women weren't famous white actresses, would anyone care? You know, the way it's right. getting covered is. And of so. course, a lot of them are not famous actresses or famous cartoonists because a lot of them can't really stand to work in an yeah. industry with a person who well, is demonized. Tandy them. Newton, who's awesome, like said something about just like, oh, I wasn't really asked to to go to Me Too. And like, I've been speaking out about this for like a billion years the already. Up, not, yeah. Not the Me Too. yeah. Oh, sorry. Time's up. Not yeah. Me Too. Uh, time's up. And she was like, yeah, like I didn't get invited to these meetings, but like. 
you know, it's because I'm not like hot enough as an actress, right. which is also crazy because she's on Westworld, but it was know, like yeah. film actresses only. <laughs> so I think there are probably also dudes that are hoping these movements will just sort of like eat themselves, mm-hmm. you know, that like it'll it'll devolve into infighting and then just die down. So mm-hmm. uh, that won't happen, I don't think. I don't no. think people are going to get unpissed off about this. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. what what's truly interesting about this is that with um, Cosby... Obviously, that cover photo of the the victims and just seeing the sheer number of them was really striking. And then with the Crick Falusi thing, um, the BuzzFeed story had pictures that he had taken of his girlfriends, and they were so young. I mean, like fifteen. Yeah, they years were old. children. And yeah. like the thing was that nobody was even being like like people usually do when people date teenagers were like, oh, you know, she looked much older. Right. Like, yeah. You would never know. Case. It was like you see it and you're like, that is a kid. Yeah. And also, I think if you were like a cool girl kid who like watched Ren and Stimpy, right. it's such a bummer because yeah. you're like, oh, I was like a 13 year old on AOL. And like if any of my heroes had like targeted oh, me like yeah. this, like the, the AOL conversations, yeah. just like, oh, such a bummer. And yeah. uh, I think the also the other thing that's a bummer about about um, Kirk Falusi is just like I think it's a bummer anytime you see somebody who does something like subversive or weird and you want to believe that you like you know like especially something like Ren and Stimpy that like obviously had like a lot of parents groups or something up in arms and a lot of people you know like it was it was deemed you know gross or something and you want to believe that that any charge against like somebody's character who would make something weird or or subversive or something would not turn out to be true that like you can be like chill and also make weird gross stuff sometimes and it's totally okay or like stuff that feels a little bit pervy but like also not be an actual uh predator um and i think it's just a bummer when your faith and people to be pervy and challenging and subversive but also not a creep it, yeah, like it, it's it's tough i'm also like always horrified by just like how easy it is for people to leverage power in those situations like no matter how niche the interest is you yeah. know right right like yeah um, like all all animation like of course yeah, there's like gonna be like uh <clears throat> you know revival and art movie house theaters yep. which happened uh-huh. two different at cinefamily in los angeles and at the alamo draft house uh you know where predators were being protected uh, and you're like, and people would just be like, wait, but like, it's an art house movie theater. And it's like, yeah, but like, if you get a bunch of people that are really want to work at an art house movie theater, and you're the guy in charge, like, of course, you're, you could exploit that power. Yeah. And it's like on you not to do so. Yeah. And there's also a thing where it's like, no, but I do think there's something about like alternative workplaces, because I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of like how 2000s Vice kind of normalized a lot of stuff that then turned into the alt-right, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just of like, oh, if you are offended, then like you're fucking uncool, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just like all this like, oh, we're breaking rules at work, like we're smoking weed inside and like getting <laughs> drunk during the day and then how it like normalizes kind of like, oh, let's just break other rules that like are in place for a reason right like sexual co- misconduct codes well yeah. also with i think with cinefamily maybe most notably there was also this thing of like everybody's working because they love it and people aren't necessarily being paid fairly and also they're being worked so hard that they're staying you know they were like staying very very late 
you know, the, it was kind of like, well, the perks were that you could do whatever you wanted and you had this very, very casual atmosphere, but you were also like really trying to prove yourself. And so it created a, a lot of opportunities for someone who didn't have the best interests of their employees at heart to take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, everybody I know who worked there has talked about how it was like a really culty atmosphere and Mm -hmm. how there was a lot of like fear of going against, you know, the the lying that was happening about how fucked up it was. And they just went through a million people too, you know, where it's like they, I I don't know, it was, it was, uh, but it's interesting how it was like, that was right before the Harvey Weinstein story came out. Yeah. And uh, everybody I knew was very involved in it because I know just a million people that have worked there or done things there. Well, aren't you popular? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just like if you're, you know, everyone in the indie film community had like a relationship to this place in Los Angeles. And then uh, it was so, you know, kind of. Well, it is the only place like that in L.A. too. Like there's so many rep theaters and and, and more art house theaters in New York. But that was like really a nexus for that in Los Angeles. The only place you could really get besides New Beverly, which is also run by a perf. So. Right. So there were Um, also people when that got shut down being like, well, like the theater shouldn't get shut down. Like this is like we're losing a valuable resource, which is like, well, we can have new theaters run by people that like won't exploit that power and, you know, sexually harass employees. Yeah, when you can't get when you can't let go of the legacy when it's gone that far in a bad direction. Yeah. I think also there's a thing where it's like when you're a young girl and you're getting into an industry and you like desperately want to believe that people are believing in you because of like your talent and not because they want to hire you because yeah. you're like a young girl, you know? You will you will overlook a lot of behavior out of wishful thinking. You don't know thinking. any better. Also, yeah. well, I you, think out of wishful thinking too. I mean, right. I it's, yeah, I think I think that really hoping, hoping that whatever you suspect, whatever you feel in your gut is going on is not the case. I and think that was what was such a bummer about the Crick Felucci story, yeah. too, is that these were young girls who wanted to be animators and who, you know, one of them left the industry because she felt so, you know, disturbed by what happened to her. And the other one is an animator who's super talented. Um, but yeah, just that, like, you know, they want, they were like, if you're a nerdy girl and some guy comes to you and it's like, hey, you're really cool and like your animation is really awesome, you know, and it's like some yeah. older guy you idolize. It's just, it's like, you know, when you're on the other side of it, you're like, oh, of course that's a fucked up power dynamic. Yeah. But like, if you're a young if you're person, you're really trying, precocious and you want to think of yourself as an adult also. Yeah. And you just don't, yeah. But and you're like, you, adult yeah. men take me seriously. And then you're yeah. like, I hope that's that what's happening. Fun, right. fun night call. <laughs> hey, you maybe know. not the lightest, but yeah. necessary. Yeah, it's a, it's. I think it's, a, it's stuff we 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 talk about a lot off air, but I'm glad that we we got to it. This well, I think for week. everybody that like works in culture and is thinking about all this stuff a lot, it's also really draining and exhausting to think about and deal yeah. with. And uh, I think editors need to keep that in mind when they're assigning stories to people that they're not always assigning traumatic event stories to people who already have the burden of thinking about that stuff a lot. Hey, and if you are assigning traumatic event stories or research pieces that are going to be emotionally draining, uh, pay people. Yeah. Yeah, Pay them fair. Also, everybody scoop up everyone from Uproxx who got let go because they're all super, super talented and uh, you can easily find the thread on Twitter, but um, some really great people lost their job last week so you yeah, should hire we're, them we're in the middle i feel of another wave of media apocalypse which i don't know 
We'll keep talking about that <laughs> yeah. on this show. To be continued. <laughs> yeah, th- there'll be more of that. Um, well, well, thanks for listening to this week's Night Call. Uh, please subscribe to us if you haven't on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and a rating. We really appreciate it. You can give us a night call at 124046night or an email at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. We haven't read any recently, but we are going to very much make up for that next week. Um, and you can follow us on our socials uh, nightcallpod on Twitter, nightcallpodcast on Instagram, and nightcallpodcast on Facebook. Any any social you you desire, we, we are there finessing our socials. Um, finessing and our socials. Vanessa and social. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> also, thank you so much to our sponsors this week, Lisa, Pro Flowers, and Fake the Nation. And that's it for this week. Bye. See you next week. Keep watching the skies. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules Today, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.